1: And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to disaster recovery, disaster planning, emergency management and response, crisis communications, business continuity management, and anything that can be related to those fields, whether it be preparing, planning, or responding, or uh, lessons learned from any of those. As always, if there's a topic that you'd like me to talk about, Or have uh, someone specific on the show to talk about their subject Please feel free, go to the Voice America page for Preparing for the Unexpected And there's a button under the the graphic that says uh, send me a a note, send the host a note And I do get the email and I do respond to all And I'll see about, uh, I will definitely reach out to, to you to see about getting you on the show to talk about your topic or seeing if there's someone out there who could come on the show to talk about your topic. So please feel free to do that. We've had uh, multiple people do that and I've you know so far been able to get people on the show to talk about specific things. And I'd like to uh, remind people that I will be in Manila in Fepu sorry, November. I'm thinking way too far ahead. In November uh, 2018, at the 25th anniversary of the International Emergency Management Society Conference, I'll be a keynote speaker there, and I'll be talking about a few uh, common threads that have come out of being on this show, actually, for a year. The various things that uh, people have said that seem to trickle on down, regardless of what industry or background or you know whatever their focus is, certain things that seem to crop up. I'm also, uh, I'm quite happy actually to have this episode today. I'm going to be talking about something, uh, a show and a subject that I've been wanting to actually record about for quite some time now, but have just not found the time to uh, sit down and go through it. And I want to start off by saying, years ago, uh, when I was writing my first book, Heads in the Sand, I came across a book called... um, Human Universals by uh, a professor emeritus at uh, the University of uh, Southern California, Berkeley, by the name of Donald Brown. In his book, Human Universals, he captured a whole bunch of different uh, scenarios and common traits throughout history uh, and attributed to various societies. And he kind of narrowed it down to five common things, um, or you could say, actually, let's call them fears. Five common fears that all civilizations, regardless of where they were in the world or what time period they were in, experienced. Five common fears that everyone experiences, regardless of where they're from, what time period it is, you know. And it's really quite surprising, you know. And when you hear them, you, you really won't be surprised. It's, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, we, we'd all be afraid of that. So over the next show or two, um, because once I start talking, who knows how far I'll get in the first show or how far we'll get, you know, uh, in the second show. But I do plan on addressing what those five are, and there's a sixth one that I will mention in a moment and I want to talk how these common fears are get addressed by what we do in our business continuity management crisis communication disaster planning field what we do in our programs and how we're actually addressing these fears in what we do it's quite interesting And I was uh, quite surprised, uh, you know, how much we can do to get things uh, going. So uh, I I want to mention what those five fears are Uh, overall through uh, society, regardless of where they are or what time period, you know, throughout all of history. And they are the fear of death, fear of insignificance, fear of outsiders. The Fear of Chaos, The Fear of the Future, and there's one that I add to this, because I, I, when I get to it and explain it, you'll understand it more, but Fear of the Truth. you know, To put it bluntly, we all want to hear the truth, but sometimes we don't like hearing it when we do hear it. So that's what we're going to focus on. On uh, this show and probably into the the next one and as I said what each one we're going to have examples of how business continuity management addresses them so the first one we're going to look at today is fear of outsiders now I want to clarify this is not the political immigration view that um, you know is in the headlines right now because you hear it on every news station, every magazine, every online, um, article, you know, every blog, you know, it's just so much out there, um, about that kind of, you know, fears of outsiders. This is not what's related to that. This is more of, you know, business continuity and the different groups that are involved, you know, with if you're within your organization or your community, you know, fear of outsiders is, fear of those other groups, how those other groups interact with you, and what kind of groups are there. If, you're, if you live in a very large city, um, and I live just down the road from Toronto, one of, uh, and you can tell I'm Canadian because uh, the way I say Toronto, uh, the city of Toronto is one of, if not the most multicultural cities in the world. There are communities everywhere um, that represent so many other countries and it's so vibrant so many festivals that you can go and experience it's just fantastic it really is it's like nothing else uh, you'll ever experience every weekend there is some sort of a cultural festival going on but in your organization you have to consider that there are other groups there are groups within your organization there are groups outside of your organi- or organization, and all of them can have some sort of an impact on what you do. For example, if you've got uh, you know, a, a various groups inside your organizations, you know let's look at um, you know, the, that, that focus and work with business continuity management, well you've got to remember that there are groups outside of your organization that are paying attention to what you're doing, like third parties. You know, these uh, other groups uh, and third-party groups are going to be paying attention to what you do. You know, they're going to be uh, uh, watching, you know, how, how do they manage their business continuity programs? Do they even have a business continuity program? You know, I'm a key partner or they are a key partner of me. What happens if they experience something and there's nothing that uh, out there to to help them? You know, I, if, if this business has a fire, I'm going to be impacted and be put out of business. You know, and that can come down to a company that changes the max or staff that comes in from a third party to manage a uh, the janitorial uh, aspects or the, the um, security group. You know, uh, and I don't mean the security group in the organization, I mean the security team that's a contractor to come in, you know, and, and you know, walk around the building and, you know, take care of the front door, you know, those kind of things. Um, you know, or even the cafeteria staff. Even though they're kind of part of your organization, they're not. They're all part of other uh, external parties that are kind of paying attention to what you're doing. You know, if you have a plan uh, to respond, evacuate, you've got to be able to have plans in place that address all of these external parties. Because if you decide that you're going to close the facility or you're going to move um, you know your employees somewhere else, well, what happens to the security staff? You know, aren't you going to need to communicate to their companies what your intentions are? You know, you may not have, if you're moving your staff to the other side of uh, a city, well, there could already be staff at that facility. So uh, that does take care of uh, security. So you've got to notify the security company that, you know, thank you very much, but for the next 10 days, we're not going to need your staff, you know, to to look at this, um, you know, our, our main facility because we're not going to have anybody there. Or it could be, thank you very much, we're not going to have any staff there. We're still going to need you to be on site to provide security for the building as it's empty and you know and the situation is being investigated by you know police or, or fire marshal or whatever the case may be you know but what happens to the staff in the cafeteria they're probably not going to be coming in to cook you know when you've got no one in, working in your building so you've got to be able to talk to them as well you know they they need to know what's going on so sometimes what happens with us in business continuity management is that we forget that there are all these other groups involved that are beyond our normal supplier-vendor partnerships. You know, I I get these car parts from this company and, you know, I put them together and make this car and then I sell them through this uh, vendor downstream. You know, we tend to think of those first and we sometimes forget that there are a lot of other little smaller groups and communities that we need to worry about. So that's one one area. And don't forget uh, another for a fear of outsiders. And it's something that it, 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 I found rather interesting, actually, when I was reading and looking into it um, and and doing some investigation with some of the case studies that are out there. Sometimes there is actually a fear of our customers because of their expectations and what they do our customers work in every single industry that's out there you know some of them are are legal representatives government representatives you know they they work our customers they work for some of our partners and suppliers you know and some of them don't do any business with us at all but they're aware of us and they know what we do you know they may buy something from a competitor And if we have a disaster and we haven't communicated properly to what's going out out there, then those outsiders, they're going to turn around and say, well, see, that's why I don't deal with them, you know, and we never understand or we can't predict how they're going to behave when we have that situation. You know, when we have a disaster situation, we want everyone obviously to be on our side, support us. You know, and help us through so that we can get through with the least amount of impact. However, that's not going to happen if we've never built some sort of a uh, a pre-planned, pre-communicated uh, strategy, you know, or, or just treated our community well. Even if half of our customers in our community don't pay us any attention, we're still out there as an organization putting our name out there, you know, sponsoring baseball teams or... You know, charity events, sponsoring charity events, or participating in these charity events, you know, to to build a kind of brand, you know, and trust. Otherwise, customers and other partners and the community in general won't trust us. You know, they'll fear us. We'll be the outsider. And yet, as our organization, we're not paying attention to all these other outside forces. They can come back and haunt us. So we have to be careful about that, and we've got to keep that in uh, you know front of our minds when we're putting our plans together, especially our communication strategies. You know, we, a lot of times we now you're hearing your communication strategies, and it solely goes to social media. You know, it used to be the old days where you could have a uh, a press release put out. Well, that's not the case anymore. You can't really do that. You know, you may still do that. You know, I'm not saying it, it's a no-no. Um, social media, though, is the main focus for a lot of that now. So you've got to be able to make sure that you plan for all of that. You know, if social media doesn't mean every single customer in your uh, database ha- is a friend on Facebook, you know, or has a like for your company on Facebook. You know, they may get their news from uh, BBC websites or CBC or Washington Post or New York Times or, you know, so many other different um, avenues out there to receive information. And you've got to be aware of how they're getting the information, you know, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, all these different groups. So it's things you've got to take into account. So that is fear of outsiders, you know, the outside and all the various groups that are out there. You know they're fearful of you for not having a plan and not taking their feelings or concerns into account when you're doing things, and you've got to make sure that you address those in your plans. It's not as simple as I have a communication strategy strategy to use social media and I'll just be communicating to all our fans. You know with the like button. You know um, triggered. So you know there's so many different different things out there. Okay? So that's our first one. Fear of Outsiders. And we've come to the end of our first segment. So we will now uh, take a break. And we will be right back with our next uh, set of fears.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest. psych up live is heard every thursday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel we'll turn up your perspective on life
2: have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected.
1: And welcome back to the show. We are talking about the fears, the common fears that we have in society and how business continuity management programs can actually help address those fears. In our first segment, we talked about the fear of outsiders, and what that meant and in this one we're going to talk about fear of insignificance now fear of insignificance is almost as it sounds you know people fear that they are um, not appreciated that they're not uh, you know considered in planning they're not considered in uh, any activities that we do and you know related fields uh, you know we're just we're we're really you know, we're second thoughts or third thoughts, if given any thought at all, you know, and people don't like that. You know, people don't like that in anything. I know I wouldn't, you know, and I doubt uh, anyone else would. But business continuity management, we do things that can actually help, you know, people, right? Because that's what we're doing, you know, and that's one of the first things that business continuity management does we have to remember that a lot of what we do is based on people first. It's one thing to make sure your facility is secure, but why are we making our security secure? It's to make sure our people are okay, right? And the systems, you know, and desks and printers and all that stuff come second. You know, but making sure that the people are protected, you know, from... You know, people that would want to do harm, see harm, or or you know, steal equipment. You know, things like that. You know, but protect. So we have to make sure that you know our facilities are secure and that our people are the number one, uh, the number one thing at the top of our list when we're taking into consideration what we need to protect and make sure is safe. And that's something that business continuity management has to address. You know, right off the bat, and people have to know that. You know, it's one thing to just say we've got all this security in place. Well, a lot of security in place can be threatening to people. You know, if you're walking around and you see armed guards or you know, um, patrolling dogs. You know, uh, you know, I know I'm probably being a little extreme, obviously, for you know people that work (laughs) in in, uh, facilities. Still you know, those kind of aspects if you see them they don't uh instill confidence you know they may for some but for many it, it can cause fear and nervousness why are they here is there something going on that we're not being told right and again that means you know why are they telling us you what know, th- th- what's happening it makes people feel more nervous you know, and I know <clears throat> excuse me i know they say you know, often you know, if you give too much information, it'll cause panic, but sometimes giving no information can do the exact same thing. So, you know, we have to consider, you know, people's feelings, how they feel and what what they're doing, you know, and why things are happening to understand that, you know, the reason these guards are walking around, as an example, or the reason we have these strong... Um, Security procedures in place are to protect you, you know, and protect our our customers from harm, you know, and that includes, you know, strong security in the way of information security and privacy practices, you know, not just physical uh, facility uh, practices, but we have to make sure, you know, that people understand, you know, this is to protect people first, you know, systems and everything else second, you know, people first, process second. So, and another way that business continuity management addresses, uh, you know, people's fear of insignificance is managing change. How many times have you been in your organization, uh, regardless of size, and there's a new change that's implemented, and yet no one knows about it. No one is clear on it. People are scared about it. You know, they have tons, a myriad of questions. You know, why is this happening? You know, and what sometimes when change occurs, it changes what people do, but yet they don't know until it actually occurs. So they fight change. Business continuity management, you know, when they announce, you know, we're going to be changing this, we're going to be changing that. If you've developed a good communication strategy, and I don't just mean for response uh, you know, management, you know, when a disaster has occurred, a crisis has occurred, you know, you've got all your communications in place, but beforehand, too, to develop those relationships ahead of time, then these people are going to understand, oh, we have to review our plans because this change is happening and we're no longer going to be able to respond the same way effectively. So you use them ahead of time. You know, that, and this all comes down to you know, organizational change, but they um, project and program management type of stuff. Right? How are we managing this? How do we keep it going? How do we keep it all in place? You know, and, and taking care of all of that. Uh, and, and we have to know this, you know, and plan for this. You know, change is the only constant, right? If we do th- all these changes and updating our plans and uh, putting all this other stuff in place without people knowing in advance, then they, they're they going to feel disrespected. They're going to feel unwanted. They're going to feel as though they are not the real reason you're doing your plans. They're going to feel as, you know, insignificant. You know, they're going to feel as though you're just just doing a job, which you may feel you are, but you're just doing a job and you're not doing it for them anymore. And that's when you want to make sure continues to happen. Another way uh, of addressing fear of insignificance and making people feel not, uh, you know, as though they are insignificant but making them feel as though they are a part of things you know is making sure that uh, you know there there's some sort of reward and recognition i know a lot of times and i've worked for companies too that the people that got awarded were you know those that all of a sudden that made the big sale you know you they they got a 10 million dollar contract or something you know and bob or sally get this wonderful award well that's great but bob and sally aren't liked by anybody else in the company so do they really deserve that? You know, meanwhile, two other people or, you know, others, I shouldn't just say two, but other people in the, in the organization feel insignificant because they're not actually getting anything, you know, and they work nonstop every day. They're the unsung heroes that nobody ever sees. They're always working in the background You know, and without them, you know, sometimes things would fall apart. I know I've worked with some people like that that were never in the spotlight, but every time they were sick or went on vacation, you knew it. You knew that why they were gone. You know, so it becomes uh, a a case where you've got to recognize people for what they do. And especially with those uh, with recognition, you know, for participating in tests. Now, there are some organizations that have done this. I know I've been with it, you know, been in this situation where you have large, large simulation exercises. You know, you've got well over 100 people involved, you know, working on a weekend, you know, to participate, whether it be on the IT side, you know, building a new system, putting it up in place. You know, validating that the data is all there it may not look the way you want it, but the data is all there. And then having business users come in to check to make sure that the data is all there and it's supposed to do what uh, they want it to do and that, you know, all the applications they need are available so they can work. These people work a lot of hours, you know, during the week and then they're working on the weekend to help validate your tests, you know, and exercises. Which are help validating you know what your plans of, of recovery are, you know all the the things that are in place for that, you know and they they should be recognized for what they're doing, you know um, thank you for coming in off your on your time off, I was actually, I remember one situation where we uh, there was a large test and listened to a senior uh, person congratulate the vice president for all the hard work they did. Meanwhile, the vice president was never on site, you know, uh, just kind of attended a couple of meetings, but they got all the reward and recognition. Meanwhile, there were people that worked over a hundred hours nonstop to make sure this test was a success and they didn't get anything as a thank you, you know, not from anyone. And, uh, it was, it's very frustrating and I can understand how people would feel that way. So We need to make sure in business continuity, we recognize everybody's participation in the program, you know, because we need their expertise to understand all the dependencies and understand what equipment uh, applications are needed, you know, and all the other various uh, different pieces involved with our plans and programs. To ignore them is one way you'll certainly lose them for buy-in. You know, why am I doing all this work? You know, I don't even, barely even get a thank you. So what's the point? And when that happens, you've lost them. And they're not going to want to participate anymore. They're not going to want to give you additional information. Or if they have given you the information, when it comes time to review it, you know, a year, two years down the road, they're just going to say, yeah, 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 that's fine. Because they know all the time they spent doing it the first time is going to get them nowhere anyway. It's just extra hours. With nothing to show for it, not even a thank you. So, be prepared to make sure that you are saying thank you, you know, and, and uh, involved with uh, people, you know, from a reward and recognition uh, perspective. And let's look at one more uh, different area, shall we? The for igno- uh, sorry, fear of insignificance. <clears throat> uh, I'm sure many people out there are. Aware of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know that's a a key uh, piece that's out there. You know how uh, we address, you know, the the needs of people and you know how they feel, you know, uh, with their basic needs. You know, we start off with uh, you know uh, our basic need of um, our bio, our biological, basically our biological needs. So. The basics, such as, you know, we need uh, food, drink, shelter, you know, we need those things in place. And business continuity can help do that, right? If we have a disaster, we want to make sure that you're taken care of, you have a place to go, you know, that uh, the facility is protected, you know, all those different things. So that's something that uh, we need to be aware of. You know, we can't just go straight to, um, you know, we have this plan in place so we're all resilient, you know, you, you can't go to that extreme. Uh, you've, when you're working on your plans and working with people, start off with the basics. You know, start off with the, the biological and physiological needs. You know, making sure they got their food. Like I said, food, drink, shelter, you know, warmth. So if there's a disaster, you know, we know we're going to this location because it's warm, it's outside of a snowstorm. You know, if it's in the middle of winter, uh, you know, uh, where you could be warm and where you can be safe. You know, if you're on tests and exercises, you know, you're not just showing up and working for 10, 12 hours. You know, we'll make sure you're having breaks as well, just like you would in a normal office. You know, and we'll make sure that you have, um, you know, food delivered, you know, all these different things. And then we look at the level two, our safety needs, you know, protection from the elements and security and, you know, uh, our stability and, you know, law you know and all of that comes into play when you have a disaster you know they, you you want people to be safe you're not just going to throw them out in the street okay buildings on fire just get out in the street well no you still want to make sure they're safe you know they get get to a safe location where they can you know um, feel secure uh, protected you know and, and put some sort of order to the complete chaos you know that that can happen when there's a disaster you know you need that you you can't just throw throw it to the wind so to speak, you need to address it, and then uh, the level three uh, the belongingness and uh, love needs you know um, this has to do with your you know, our working groups and our family and our relationships. Well, a lot of relationships are developed you know in organizations. You know there's di- people have different groups they're a part of different groups. You know there's some. Some organizations are so large they have their own little communities. You know, people that uh, go to bingo, or you know, from the same nationality, or you know, you work with people for so long in the same department. You know, you know their their parents' names, their kids' names. You know what their kids are doing in school. You know, you know all this. And if you've had a situation in the office where you know they may have been at opposite ends of the facility and they haven't seen their colleagues, you know, they're going to be scared and nervous. You know, did Bob, did Sally, you know, are, are they okay? You know, where are they? You know, and they want to be able to communicate with their families and their families, when they hear of the disaster, are going to want to know, how is my family member? Where are they? You know, how many times have you seen, uh, sadly, you know, very sadly, um, shootings and family members are outside and, you know, and every single one of them, you know, is basically in tears wanting information, you know, and you've got to make sure that some of that is in place, you know, it's getting addressed, you know, and you may need the assistance of first responders. I'm not saying it's completely um, your responsibility as an organization. You do have to, you know, work with the first responders, those that are in charge of a, you know, larger, big scale situations. But still, you need to take care and, and have all of this in place, you know, so that you're addressing that need, you know, the belongingness. And then there's the esteem needs, you know, and this comes down again to uh, some of the uh, reward and recognition that comes into play, you know, uh, through participating in the program and participating in tests, you know, and, and being a part of that. You know, they've got to feel as though they are a part of that, you know, make them feel good. You know, are, you found 10 things that were wrong. You know what? That's a darn good thing. Because if we have a situation now, we know, hopefully we're not going to encounter those 10 things because now we've got a plan to address those gaps that you helped identify. That's a great thing. That's not a a bad thing. You know, you want people to feel good about finding errors and finding mistakes. And the last one is level five self actualization. You know, this is their self uh, fulfillment, you know, seeking personal growth and peak experiences. Well, business continuity, you know, with your tests and all those different pieces, you can help them become more resilient. And, you know, they feel stronger. They know, you know, whatever happens, I know what my part is. I know what I'm going to do. We all do. You know, we're going to get through it. We're, you know, we're, we're strong. We're better than we were before. You know, that's, that's where you want to get people to, you know, so that the people become resilient. And once the people do, the organization will you know, overall when something happens at all levels. You know, I'm I'm not just saying the employee level. It's got to be all levels and all levels have to be involved. Well, we've come to the end of our second segment and we'll be right back. We're talking about fears and how business continuity management can address these fears.
2: stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts VoiceAmerica.com. all around the outermost rim of the shield he set the mighty stream of the river oceanus creating achilles shield in homer's the iliad book 18 rachel carson in the sea around us said all at last return to the sea Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News, News. News. opinion, News. opinion. News. opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected.
1: And welcome back to the show for our last segment. As uh, you may know, we've been talking about fear and common fears and how business continuity management and the things that we do and Uh, All that's encompassing uh, of uh, BCM and disaster planning, emergency response and crisis communications, how it can actually help address some of our common fears. Now, we've already talked about the fear of outsiders and the fear of insignificance. And in this final segment, we're going to talk about fear of the future. Now, if there's one thing that uh, no one can really do, it's predict the future. You know, we can always come up with plans and we can always come up with uh, different things that we would do in hypothetical situations. You know, this is what I would do if this occurs. But really, we we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. So we have a fear of it because it is the unknown. Well, you know, even if it's unknown and we can't control the future, we do still want to have some sort of clarity so we can, you know, work our way through what uh, could be in our future or, you know, anything could happen, but at the same time, we also want to be a little bit uh, prepared for it, obviously, you know, and business continuity management helps do that with all the various plans that we come up with, you know, evacuation plans. If we have to get out of the building, you know, we have first aid uh, and CPR certified individuals and first responders, you know, in case uh, people are uh, hurt you know, and not necessarily because of a disaster, you know, it could be for other reasons as well. Um, but we have people like that trained who can take care of things uh, and help us, you know, should we experience some sort of a situation. So we do have, you know, some very common things in place that takes care of that. You know, we, we obviously, um, many of us put money away monthly, you know, into various accounts to save for the future, you know, save for a rainy day, um, you know, retirement. So even though the future is unknown and we can't predict it, we can still put things in place to help get some clarity on where we're going and what may happen in the future. Business continuity plans and disaster recovery plans and crisis management uh, plans, you know, and all the communication processes, uh, how you rebuild servers, you know, how the servers need to link and all the applications, how they... They have different dependencies upon each other. You know, we define all of that. So if anything does happen, we know we've got something in place to help address that. So, you know, but there are some other areas as well where business uh, continuity can give us uh, some clarity, you know, and reduce our fear of the future. You know, so let's look at um, the, uh, the clarity perspective for a moment. One of the things that helps with clarity, obviously, is, you know, our acronyms and terminology. Now, we've got many different organizations and uh, governing bodies um, that are out there. And some of them have the same uh, terminology, like a business continuity plan or, or acronym, you know, BCP. Um, except their definitions may be a little bit different. you And sometimes when there are so many different groups and organizations that are out there that may have the same acronym or use a different acronym, but all mean the same thing with a different definition, of course, you know that can cause a lot of confusion and it's certainly not clear. You know when one person is using one definition, Uh, and another person is using a different definition, it can cause creation because what they're both trying to do is describe the exact same thing. So it can cause, you know, if if there isn't standard definitions within your organization and your plans, you know, you need to establish that. You know, when someone in your organization says disaster recovery, you know, everyone knows exactly what DR, the acronym, would stand for. This is what it is. This is what it means. And these are the limitations of it. You know, it doesn't creep over into uh, crisis management. It doesn't creep over into emergency management. It doesn't creep over into, you know, what the the business units are doing. You know, their continuity plans when something occurs. They know exactly. Disaster recovery means X, Y, Z. This is it. You know, I'm not going to give you a definition here, simply because there are so many different definitions out there right now. And, you know, if I I state one, (laughs) I'm sure some of the listeners out there will say, well, no, actually, that's a a definition for this, and you really should say this. So, you know, uh, I'd rather not uh, get into any specific ones myself here. Um, You know, you can look up uh, and choose the definitions and the acronyms that suit your organization. But once you do have those in place, make sure you communicate those and everyone uses them. You know, when someone says business continuity, they're not actually talking about disaster recovery or crisis communications, you know, or et cetera, et cetera. You know, you know exactly what it is you're saying, you know, because that does not create clarity. That actually creates more confusion and then you've got when you're trying to explain things uh, later on, people are just confused going, well, I thought you were talking about uh, you know, X,Y,Z, and you're really talking about ABC. you know So uh, make sure you're very clear you know on your acronyms and terminology and you know, how how they're used within your organization. You know that'll provide the clarity. And then as you go forward into the future, you're all working from the same work plan the same definitions, the same terminology, and everyone understands what each other is saying. I'm not saying that means everyone understands the details within these plans, you know, but everyone will understand through uh, your awareness sessions, you know, and training sessions, which are always ongoing as well, you know, in the future, upgrading your skills, of course, and participation, you know, of those participating in those tests and activities, but everyone is on the same page moving forward. Another area is the roles and responsibilities. You know, and the role, most most importantly, the roles that they would play when something does occur. You know, their their role in uh, an actual situation. You know, they understand when this plan is activated, I know what my role is. And believe it or not, even if you're not specifically mentioned in a plan or haven't been assigned a specific role, you know, you're not a part of a crisis management team, you know, you're, you know, as somebody puts it, you know, you're just a grunt worker, you know, um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory uh, sense at all, uh, but if you're someone who doesn't have one of those high profile spots, profiles, profile spots, you know, with a whole list of activities you're responsible to complete or review or update. You still have a role to play by going home, if that's the direction, and checking on the statuses, reviewing the statuses, and knowing when you should appear uh, on, you know, on site or when you should log back in to do activities. Your role could at first be to actually do nothing. That is your role. Don't send information. Don't access systems. Don't go into the office. Don't, you know, start going on social media sites and uh, stating, you know, this is what's going on. You know, uh, unless your role is to actually speak for the organization, you know, your role may be simply to stay at home and do nothing. You know, follow the um, the 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 responsibility you have, which is to sit there and that's it nothing else. so you know everyone's got a role to play and it could be even something small because you never know. And the other part uh, something I always like to uh, uh, mention sometimes when some people are uh, you know talking about something they enjoy Have you ever been in a meeting uh, or started talking to somebody where they they're so knowledgeable about their stuff? They just know it through and through. It's so detailed, you know, that sometimes they get lost in what they're saying, and before you know it, no one understands what they're talking about. It's they don't provide clarity because they know their stuff so well. It's difficult for them to reinterpret what it is they are thinking or trying to say to get their message across. To those that are not As knowledgeable as they are They suffer from the curse of knowledge And what happens Is if they can't communicate their message If they're the sole person who knows everything You know, they're the subject matter expert They're the single point of contact You know, they're the one that everyone focuses on If they can't get their message across Then obviously they're not being clear the, what they're trying to get across is not clear. It's not understood. It's uninterpreted properly. And that can actually cause people to start trying to interpret things on their own level. You know, well, I think this is what they meant. I think this is what they were doing. So this is what I'm going to do. Well, that's certainly going to mess up the future, isn't it? because you've got a plan in place, you've got people who know what they're doing, but because of the communication and the uh, curse of knowledge that they have, they can't communicate it properly. And that just doesn't mean the plans get executed properly. It means there's all kinds of issues and problems that uh, arise and nothing goes as expected. You know, not that uh, disasters are always, uh, you know, follow this plan and everything will work out one, two, three, tickety-boo. You know that that's not what I mean at all. What I mean is you have a plan, you have a guide in place, and you have to adapt to all of that. But if you've got people that are communicating um, some of these ideas and activities, but they can't communicate them clearly because they've got this curse of knowledge where they simply can't um, make people or uh, communicate in a way that others understand them to be able to do what they need to do then it's all gonna fall apart you know we'll all be going in our own different direction we'll all be interpreting things differently and before you know it it's it get you will get to a point you know during your response uh, activities uh, I thought this person was doing that I thought this was this I thought you meant that you know simply because the curse of knowledge the people who know it and this is specifically can be specific to business continuity management people, because they'll start throwing in terms, you know, and I have to admit, I've been guilty of this as well. RTOs, RPO, you know, the MAU, um, uh, sorry, MAO, the MAO, you know, does anyone really know what those mean outside of the industry? A few will. But if you're talking to users, you know, please be on site so uh, at such and such a time so we meet our uh, RTO and RPO uh, expectations. You know, can you just imagine someone on the other end of the phone you know, listening to that update or reading that update on, uh, you know, a intranet site going, what the heck are they talking about? Am I supposed to be on site at this time or not? You know, what's going on? So... You know, if even if you do have all that knowledge and all that skill and all that um, everything behind you, you still got to know, you know, how to communicate it to everybody. So we've talked about uh, we've come to the end of our first show. We've talked about three of the six uh, fears: uh, insignificance, outsiders, and fear of the future. So business con- and I've given some examples how business continuity and what we do, what we say, how we communicate it, You know. Um, how all of that can address, you know, um, and address these three fears. We still have three to go uh, fear of chaos, fear of death, and fear of truth. And the fear of truth is the one that I've added myself, uh, so that because it's something that I've seen over the many years of working in business continuity. So I, I will talk about those three fears in a, uh, I guess it'll have to be a part two of the show. So again, if there's any topic you want us to talk about, please feel free. To go to the website for Voice America. Send me an email and I will respond and address it. And we'll see about getting somebody on the show um, it, to talk about what you want to. Uh, otherwise, um, in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.